Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being with me today for Grace to All with Paul Gray. Today, I want to talk to you about no more insanity. You know the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for different results. That's insane, right? Well, what if the insanity that you're experiencing never had any basis in reality to begin with? I mean, that would be really insane, wouldn't it? Well, Jesus and Papa and Grace have been impressing on me that they want me to know what really matters and to stop wasting my time and yours and everybody else's time on insane things that don't matter, that have no basis in reality. Doing insane things over and over again, hoping for different results, is really wasting our time. Our dictionary says that insane is a state of mind which prevents normal perception, prevents normal behavior or social interaction. It is seriously mentally ill. Sounds to me like what Scripture calls darkness or a darkened mind. The word insanity is defined as madness, being seriously mentally ill. Now, when you're ill, you have a dis-ease comes from two different words, dis and ease. You're not at ease. I was in the Army National Guard and Reserves for 24 years, and I remember my early inspections when I was a private, and we would all know that something was going to happen pretty soon. They'd get us together, and then they'd say, form up or formation, and we all knew where to go and everything, and then they'd say, attention, hunt, and we'd stand up straight with our eyes fixed straight ahead, very stiff, unable to relax. And we all had this uptight feeling, wondering if we had done everything right, if we'd combed our hair right, if we had our hair cut exactly right, our sideburns right, if we had the buttons and everything on our uniform exactly right, because we were going to be inspected. We were going to be judged. And there was a good chance we were going to be shamed and condemned and ridiculed and yelled at, sort of like what happens at church a lot of times, shamed, ridiculed, yelled at. Now, the same disease, the same insanity, having no basis in reality, can certainly affect, infect our minds in our relationship with God. We don't want anything that's not based on reality to affect our relationship with God, do we? The good news nullifies all that insanity. And sozo, the Greek word that we translate salvation, that's come to have an incorrect meaning of what it originally means, originally means making everything well or making everything whole. 
the good news, the gospel, is what makes us whole and healthy with no dis-ease. Jesus' salvation literally meant to heal us from the dis-ease of religious insanity. Now, let's look at what really matters. Of course, this is subjective, obviously. Whatever any given person at any given time deems to really matter is what's going to matter to them. However, seeing what really matters to Jesus, well, that'd be helpful, wouldn't it? And we have the mind of Christ, and Jesus talks to us and wants us to know exactly what he knows. So I think it would be important to find out what really matters to Jesus. I love what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. This is in what we call Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. And my favorite translation of that verse comes from the Amplified Bible. Paul says this, My determined purpose is that I may know Jesus and that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. So as we get to know Jesus progressively, more deeply and intimately, we become more acquainted with him and we perceive and recognize and understand more and more of what's important to him, we start to learn what's really important. Now, I'm going to give you my current list of what's really important, and I have to tell you, it has totally changed. It's done a 180-degree change, a metanoia, from what I thought was important in my religious days, the first 20 years of when I was a pastor. And before that, when I was being discipled by religious people. Today, this is what Papa, Jesus, and Grace are showing me is really important. First, God is perfect love and loves all people perfectly. God's perfect love has objectively cast out all fear and expelled every trace of terror. God is pure goodness and continually works out all things for everyone's good. God likes me, and this is true for you. God likes me and enjoys being with me. God is pure light with no trace of darkness for anyone. No one has ever been separate from God and never will be. Seemed very important to Jesus to make sure we knew that. God's grace has been applied to all people since before creation, and it covers everything in making and keeping all people right with God forever. Quote, sin, unquote, has objectively never been an issue with God. It has no power except for what we subjectively give it in our minds. Forgiveness has never been an issue between God and anyone. God keeps no record of our wrongs. That would be very important to know, wouldn't it? Sin and forgiveness are no problem with God, and God never keeps any record of our wrongs. There is no place of eternal conscious torment. It'd be important to know that, wouldn't it? We were all spirit. We came from the spirit realm, the unseen realm, with God, and are now in the unseen and eternal realm, as well as in the seen and temporary realm, and we will always be there. We are spirit beings having a temporary human experience. 
Joy is the result. Joy is the end product of knowing who God really is, who we are, and who everyone else is. Joy is what God wants the end result to be for us. That would be important to know that, wouldn't it? We and everyone are one with God and one with each other, and we always have been. God is in everyone. Everyone is a child of God, and God is the father and brother and friend of all. Wouldn't that be important to know? Well, God has already reconciled all people to himself. It's called the restoration of all things. He's done that once for all forever. It's irrevocable. We have all already been given. We've been lavished with all that God is, love and all its many expressions, grace and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and the faith of Christ and the Holy Spirit, power and compassion and mercy that endures forever. We've been given all of that forever, as much as we can possibly handle and then some. Jesus, God, saved us from the world's doctrinal system of darkness and believing in its fictitious no-good God. We have the mind of Christ. We are complete. We have been judged once, right with God, forever, pure, perfect, without fault, and there is no other judgment. That'd be important to know that, wouldn't it? Jesus is God, and what we see in Jesus is true about the Father and the Holy Spirit, and they are pure goodness. What's really important is now, the moment now, not the past, not the future, but right now. Now, my experience is when we know these things and we think about them and we meditate on them and we ponder on them, the result is we are filled with overflowing joy. We literally radiate joy. We're like a magnet attracting joy. The first book of the New Testament, chronologically written, was the book of Galatians. It was written in about 50 AD, about 15 to 17 years after Jesus was crucified. Apostle Paul wrote it, and he wrote it because the new churches that he'd started which started out wonderfully well in grace and the finished work of Jesus and unconditional love and inclusion, now we're getting, unfortunately, moved into Jewish religion and other concepts of religion. So he wrote the book of Galatians to stop that and tell them to get back to grace. In Galatians 5, 6, he nets it out and he says, look, here's what's important. He said, since you're joined to the anointed one, since you're in Christ Jesus, Circumcision and religious obligations benefit you nothing. Circumcision was a catch-all phrase for all of the religious rules and traditions and have-tos and shoulds and shouldn'ts in the Jewish religion. He said, none of that benefits you anything. He says, here it is. All that matters is living in the faith of Christ that works and expresses itself through love. According to Jesus, who revealed this to Paul, what's important, what matters is loving people as Christ loved us. That's all that matters. It's all that's important. It'd be important for us to know that, wouldn't it? Now, by extension, including what Paul said there, that means that all the insane things that we've done in religion are not important. They are insanely not important. Any religious do's and don'ts and doctrines and you have to do this and you have to believe that and you have to be baptized this way and you have to use this version of the Bible and you have to have this doctrine and all that kind of stuff. No, no, both Jesus and Paul said those things are of no benefit. They are not important. 
Isaiah, speaking for God, said this some 500 years before Jesus. He said, this is God speaking. He said, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now get this phrase, forget the former. Don't go there. We learn in the New Testament from the Apostle Paul that because of Jesus' finished work at the cross, everything and everyone is a new creation. New creation. The old is gone. The new is here. And we're not new models. It's not like having a new car. When I was a kid in the 50s and 60s, when new cars came out, man, you could tell they were new. They looked different than the old ones. You know, a 57 Chevy looked completely different than a 55 or a 56 Chevy. A 60 Chevy looked completely different than a 58 or a 59. Those were new models. But the text, the Hebrew text, when Isaiah was speaking for God, this wasn't a new model. This was a whole new thing, a completely different thing. Another translation says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Do not remember the former things, nor even consider the things of old. And when he said that, of course, he was talking about the Old Testament. He was talking about religious tradition. But it's true for us today. We're not to even consider or remember those religious things, those insane religious things of trying to get right with God when we understand we're already right with God, trying to please God, trying to get God to come near, trying to get God to trip the magic thing at the roulette wheel or the slot machine by praying and fasting and memorizing verses and giving money and attending and serving, trying to get something we already have. That's insane. Trying over and over and over again to try to get God to favor you and keep you in God's favor when you're already in God's favor and you have all the favor you can get. It's insane to try to do that. And God says, don't even think about that. Don't, don't even give it the time of day. I've done a new thing. Now, enjoy it. See, understanding and believing what's really, really, really important and true means that there's no purpose. There's no gain in doing things over and over again trying to get what you already have. It's insane. That means don't even think about religion and doctrine and fearing God and worrying about whether or not God's pleased with you and trying to gain God's approval and acceptance by what we do and asking for forgiveness and trying to avoid hell and believing that we or anybody else is separate from and not right with God, worrying about or trying to prove that we're right about different things, wondering, worrying about talking about whether or not creation was six literal 24-hour days or whether it was millennia, wondering when and where and how Jesus was born and who wrote which books of the Bible and whether Scripture is inspired or inerrant and which translation is correct and what's the best and the only correct way to be baptized and fearing that we haven't said the magic words in the right way and haven't been baptized correctly or whether or not we have the right doctrine or belong to the right church or wondering if there is a rapture and when it's going to come and what the tribulation is and wondering what God's name is, what we should call him. All of that is foolishness. It's insane. I mean, according to Jesus and to Paul and to God, religion is worrying and striving for something in the future that's already done and is here and is now. Trying to get something you already have and working hard at it over and over again is insane. Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi, Philippians 2, 13 to 16. This is the mirror translation. Paul said, discover God himself 
as your inexhaustible inner source. He ignites you with both the desire and the energy that matches his own delight. Your entire life is a poem. Any undercurrent murmuring or argumentative debating would be completely out of place, be insane. Don't let such issues disrupt the rhythm of your conversation. They're not important. Your flawless innocence radiates attraction. You have flawless innocence. You are flawlessly innocent. Your flawless innocence radiates attractiveness. It becomes light in the midst of people who've forgotten their true sonship and whose lives have become distorted and perverse. He says, in contrast, God's perfect workmanship as father of mankind is forgotten, and people have become crooked and perverse, twisted and distorted out of their true pattern of sonship. See, all of these things, if we are flawless and innocent, according to God, then doctrine, keeping the rules, moral behavior, all of that kind of stuff, it's foolish to even think about it or try to get it or try to achieve it or try to get God to make us that way when he already has. Back in Deuteronomy 38, God says, you have forgotten the rock, capital R, meaning Jesus, that begot you, and you've gotten out of step with the God who danced with you. God dances with us. We got so out of step with that that we say, dancing is wrong. Give me a break. Goes on to say, back in Philippians 2, verse 16, your lives echo exhibit the logic of the message of life. You are positioned like the stars in the night sky, superimposed and radiating light, which shining pierces the darkness. Thus you confirm the day of the Lord. And Paul says, you complete my joy. You're my wreath of honor and proof that I didn't run my race in vain. Your completeness in Christ is not a remote goal, but it is your immediate reference. Paul closes that with saying, My labor now exceeds any zeal that I previously knew under the duty-driven law of willpower. I'm laboring beyond the point of exhaustion, but I'm not doing it try to get right with God. I'm doing it as he inspires me to do that to help you see that you're already right with God. So, Here's some practical application from a couple of verses in Hebrews 10. Now, I'm not going to talk about every verse in this passage here. I'm just going to give you the highlights of it that are applicable today. Hebrews 10, 24, this is the passion. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. Verse 25, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, now we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and be encouraged to encourage each other onwardly by the Spirit of grace. Now, because of where we live, because the lack of meeting places that understand the true good news, because of COVID and all that kind of stuff, we're not always able to get together in person. Some of us are, and we're really fortunate, but some of us aren't. So we have to discover creative ways to meet together, like we're doing right now online. We have every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock Central Time, we have an interactive Zoom time where it's a discussion where everybody gets to talk and discuss and give their understanding of what we're talking about and what God's saying to them. Love to have you join us if you want to. We we have people from several countries. Just let me know if you're watching this on YouTube or listening. However you're listening, you can send me a message and just say, yeah, I'd like to try out your Sunday morning interactive time together, and we'll include you. I'll send you a link for it. So we come together, and as we do 
The Passion Translation in Hebrews 10.29 says, The Spirit of grace motivates us. And Brian Simmons goes on to say in his footnotes there, The Holy Spirit is the dispenser and Lord of grace and is often referred to as the Holy Spirit of grace. Just for me personally, that has great meaning because these days I call the Father, Papa. I call Jesus, Jesus. And I call the Holy Spirit, grace. The Holy Spirit is grace, not just my idea. That's what she was called in Jesus' day. All right. Thank you guys so much for being with me today. Again, I would encourage you to make your list of what's really important and then just do some business with grace, with the Holy Spirit, and then say, is this really important? Is keeping this rule important? Is repeating this custom really important? Is it really important that I do this or that? Just ask, is this, what is important? And then let the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace, the teacher in you show you what's really important. I think you'll find it's probably 180 degrees from what you were taught was really important in religious settings. So grateful that across the world, we're learning now what's really true and what's really important, what the real good news is. Love all of you guys. See you next time. Thanks for being with me for this edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.